1: Matt Liner, and you're listening to Reign of Troy Radio. Reign of Troy hotline. Alicia? Michael? What's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Bob
3: Connolly for this?
4: Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Get Michael Castillo on phone. <laughs>
2: claw up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Oh, I can't
1: believe. <laughs> USD is five and seven and not going to a poll. Oh. All right, Trojan fans. Turn up the volume. It's time. Time for Reign of Troy Radio. Here's your host, Michael Castillo.
3: Hello everybody, welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio. Episode 329. It is our Fresno State Fallout episode, coming to you after the Trojan 31 23 win over the Bulldogs at the Coliseum. We are gonna open up a huge mailbag, talk about our rewatch, and so much more. Here on this episode, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, Patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Troy at fanside.com. And our phone number is 213-373-1USC. One USC. Suck at What's Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Deritola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. We are in the studio. The first ever Fallout episode recorded in the Reign of Troy studio.
5: Yeah, it's exciting. We're we're all set up. We've got our equipment all sorted out finally. Yeah, we've
3: purchased a, a mixer, which means that we can do things like uh, like this. I can be like Alicia, and you can go.
5: Hi. Yeah. <laughs> The soundboard is back is is really what he's saying that's exciting. That was legitness. Yeah, it it, it was. is it is yeah. legitness. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. We got the soundboard up and running. Uh all thanks to you guys listening and the support of the show on Patreon and all of that uh it helps put things together like the Renator studio and it's a grand old time. Um Alicia this is a hell of a game that USC put together because it brought out a lot of emotion in people. We got a bunch of calls on the rant line, a bunch of comments about the passion that you had in the car cast and the things that I said in the car cast and everything. It's been a couple of days to decompress. How has how, it been?
5: Well, I've, I've done the rewatch now. I have done the rewatch. I've I've had a, a second look at the game. I am a little bit less fired up. Uh, I think I still went away from from it feeling... A lot of the things that I was feeling in the car cast, but I've kind of settled down. I've kind of accepted my lot in life, and realized that you know what, the the bad place isn't isn't so bad. Mm. I you're, mean,
3: you're back to Alicia.
5: <laughs> yeah, you know the the quickest way to get me to turn back positive is just to put me on USC Twitter for a few hours and. All of the, you know, I'm being a hypocrite here because I was certainly overreacting in the car cast. But, you know, some of the times you look at just some of the extremes that people go to in uh, in the way that they react to things. And all of a sudden I turn around and it's like it's like something like you're running away from a fight and then immediately you turn around and you're like, and then you run straight into it. I don't know. That's just how I I go. I I actually think this is a case of optimistic, Alicia. I I mean, not uh, a little bit. I don't know. A little bit. Sort of, sort, sort of. of, yeah. All, all I know is just that, like, I'd I'd like people to, I trust me, I get being negative because I am generally negative coming out this week, uh. But also, let's like you know put the negativity where it belongs and not sort of have, uh, what is what is it called when you have um hitting innocence or or daenerysing ex- exactly daenerysing you know just tons of collateral damage and unnecessary carnage. Uh, you know, you are in the middle of a war, but also you don't need to burn the whole city down. That's kind of where the, the what I uh, sometimes what I react. there's a
3: lot of foreshadowing to get there.
5: Does that make me John though? Like, if I'm like I'm on board with the storming of the city, but also when you start having the dragon start to basically take out entire sidewalks. Yeah, I'm definitely not John. Then <laughs>
4: let's just go to the rant line. <laughs> Radio, Troy. Radio. What's up? This is Dave from Orange County. Hey, uh, Michael, Alicia, this is Scott. And Memphis, Tennessee. big Trojan fan as always. Hey, that's Mark from Cedar City again. My name is Guy. Tim from
2: Alhambra. <laughs> Andrew from Buckeye Country. It's my boy, Brandon. Dan from Burbank. This is the color formerly known as Trinis from Orlando. Hey,
4: guys, this is Michael in Idaho. Was that a hair-raid offense or a tortoise-raid offense we saw last night? I was not impressed. Uh we
2: won but did we really we were lucky to, to squeak out that victory jt went out and pff, went went to crap after that we're playing a mountain west team we are playing like poo poo it's a poo poo game i don't know what it is um we play good in the first quarter okay in the second quarter and then we just kind of drop off it's actually stunning because it's exactly the same as last year
1: yeah it was deja trojan.
2: this team has not learned a damn thing from 2018 to Despite having so many positive changes. Same mistakes, same situation, same
4: rhythm of the game. You know, Fresno's not a, a pushover, but with our talent level and the way we started off that game, should have been an easy, easy win. Two number sevens on the field? What the... What the what? We're bad. It's all bad. It's all bad, bad, bad. This guy, he pushes all the wrong buttons.
2: It, it's clear no matter how many changes or what changes are made, when the head coach is just not up to the task. It's going to manifest itself on the field. So it doesn't matter what DC is there or what OC is there. It doesn't matter who's at quarterback. I don't think it matters who's at running back.
1: Firing Lane didn't change anything. Firing Spark didn't change anything. Not hiring Ogeron didn't change anything. Firing
2: Wilcox didn't change anything. At what point do we say enough is enough? Stop the excuses. We're going to be suffering until we get rid of Clay Clayton. There's no doubt about it. Irvin, where you at? Come on. Then, you know, I look at how Graham Harrell's supposed to be accountability guy, so I want him to go
5: full freaking coach booing around with the Titans. You fumble, you run a mile. You miss a tackle, you run a mile. You get torched in the secondary, you run a freaking mile. And more importantly, if you commit
2: a penalty that negates a massive yard gain, such as a 61
5: freaking yard pass or a 20 plus yard run that gets called back because of an asinine penalty, you should run five miles as far as I'm freaking concerned because that is stupid. This
2: season is gonna be long. I can just, I can just see it. JT Daniels is out the entire year. I might be becoming a Bruins fan. Yes, it's a in the Keegan Slovis era. And here we go back to where we were. Someone needs to tell Sears to pull the transfer option because we need them back. God, this team. I love them. they want me to uh, they make me chew like a bottle of Tums every game let's take it one game at a time I'm trying to be optimistic though Tyler Vaughn looked awesome he was by far USC's biggest weapon of the day I also have to give props to uh Malapai and Stephen Carr out of the backfield. And, oh my god, Stephen Carr, actually. Like, dude should be the main back. Other than that, got a W. Let's beat the farm. Thanks for everything you do. Hope things get better. Talk to you later. Fight on. Fight on. Fight on. Fight on. Fight on. Hello, this is Marcelo from Austin, Texas. That CarCast was the greatest episode of Reign of Troy ever.
4: <laughs> CarCast after the Fresno Game was so funny, especially Alicia. (laughs) She started off (laughs) mild-mannered, turned into a ravening maniac by the end of the podcast. I had to listen to it twice. It was so funny. I was just rolling in laughter. It really captures the reality of of what we're all going through right now.
5: (laughs) <laughs> oh lord there, there's something about hysterical laughter that just like <laughs> yes you, we're you all there we're yeah. all there buddy we are all there yes that i mean that was uh, you know at, at times at times you just you, you can't do anything but you can't do anything but just hysterical laughter
3: yeah and <laughs> if you can't laugh at yourself who can who can you really laugh at um yeah, thank you guys for, for calling in on the rant line. It was a great rant line to uh to kick off the season. Um obviously plenty of things to, to rant about. Um uh, maybe we'll have a rave line at some point uh this year, you would you would hope for, for USC's sake. Um but not only that, we got a new review we want to get to that we got on Apple Podcasts. Uh this comes from uh ncaa f14 i want to say that that's the video game itself like we love the video game i want to say the video game loves us so much that they're leaving us a review on on apple Podcasts.
5: i am with you that uh, that is my headcanon right now and uh and basically the person who is responsible for ea ea sports uh, oh, not, l- EA, not, Ote Ote? not EA Naoteote? Not EA no. Oh, so no. not his parents? No, no, not EA Naoteote, parents. Well, his
3: parents would be, or his dad is EA the third, so it's still EA.
5: Oh, EA, EA, EA 03? EA Incident of Relief Football 03? Let's just get to the
3: comments. <laughs> uh, love the show, Alicia and Michael are extremely likable, and the audio quality is top-notch. They're great podcasters from a... Fellow Jealous CFB podcaster. Well, thank you, uh, NCAA F-14. We, we definitely appreciate it. And I love the audio quality stuff. That's, you know, that's my nerdage right there.
5: Yeah, the audios are getting some praise up in here.
3: Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it for sure. Uh, well, if people like uh, Angry Alicia or Riled Up Alicia, there was plenty of that in the car cast, maybe a little bit less of that in the rewatch. Which you can listen over on Patreon, patreoncom Troy. We can get all of our bonus content for as little as five fifty-five per month. Uh, the rewatch goes down every Sunday night slash Monday morning. Uh, Sunday is the rewatch day. I say you really, I feel like you got a new perspective on on everything, and that's the whole point of the exercise.
5: Well, I, I like doing it because you can get a new perspective, look at things a little bit less emotionally because you know what the outcome of of things are Uh, but it really sometimes it's a chance to reaffirm what your eyes saw the first time and sometimes it's a chance to get a a different perspective certainly for me because I'm watching the game from field level and field level is a limiting uh, kind of perspective so for instance in this in this week's rewatch I went in seeing a lot of people complaining about USC's offensive line and I genuinely didn't have a real good sense for how they performed, and I came out saying, you know what, that offensive line performance was actually quite good, um, certainly positive compared to last year. Uh, and then, and then it's a nice opportunity too to highlight some players who who really stood out, uh, as far as uh, the 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 people that I didn't notice at the time. Someone like Eric Cromenhook, who I thought had arguably the best blocking performance by a tight end in ever. I, I genuinely cannot think of a time when a, a Since
3: we've been paying attention to that kind of
5: Since we've thing? been paying attention yeah. to that kind of thing. Yeah, it was it was very nice to I know that people will look at it and we'll talk about the tight ends later as far as pass catching options, but there was a clear development from him. So that's the kind of thing that I get to notice in the rewatch. That's the kind of thing that uh, I go through each quarter, each drive, and dig into some of those more those details to to really get to the heart of what actually happened. So I hope you guys like it, the people who listen to it.
3: Yeah, patreon.com slash Troys where you can listen to that every week, along with uh, daily updates uh, from practice, even though practice is obviously limited now, but a lot of newsy stuff there inside the scrum, and then also we have, uh, on Fridays, we post a pregame Q&A featuring your questions from Patreon, so yeah, patreon.com slash Troys where you can subscribe, help support the show, and uh, get all the bonus content. Alicia, there's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's take a quick break. We'll come right back and start with the news, because there's a big one. Un- <laughs> All
2: right,
3: Alicia, let's start with the news, the big news coming out of USC on Sunday, Sunday. You probably could have speculated it on Saturday night, on Sunday morning. People, more people speculated. Uh, there were reports on Sunday afternoon, but it was confirmed Sunday night. J.T. Daniels is done for the season with a torn ACL and torn meniscus. It's a nine to twelve month recovery plan. You guys know that. It's the it's the most common season-ending injury there is. Uh, the, the football version of Tommy John, except not quite as serious, but sort of, it's a, it's a damaging blow for USC because JT looked super good early on. Completed 13 of his 14 passes on those first two drives when the Trojans looked kind of invincible on offense.
5: Yeah, it's it's very unfortunate because, you know, looking back at that game, JT played very well. JT looked very, very comfortable in that offense. And we're not going to get to see him continue to grow in it, at least not this year. And USC is now sort of stuck with uh, Keaton Slovis, who, sure, he has potential, but we are in exactly the situation that I feared USC would be in. A new freshman quarterback having to go through freshman growing pains, and that's what you saw in the second half of that game. So it's, it's super unfortunate for JT as an individual. It's unfortunate for the team. Because no matter how which way you slice it, USC was better off with JT Daniels at the helm because they he's already gone through his freshman growing pains. And it, it just is a is a real bummer to start this season all around. Uh, that that is is one of those things that when when you're gonna be unlucky, you're gonna be unlucky. I mean, not to not you know, maybe this is something to knock on wood and all that kind of stuff, but we did get out of fall camp saying, wow, USC is pretty healthy USC is pretty injury free and I think we talked about that at the wrap up meetup that like you know the the health of the team is surprisingly good and those are the magic words
3: Yeah you manifested uh the the big one the the, the big injury to the starting quarterback which is uh, never good for any team especially USC given how important quarterback play is in the new system the good thing is and I have stressed this all offseason. I have said that the quarterback does not matter for the most part because the system is is designed to help the quarterback. I think it limits a lot of their deficiencies, helps accentuate their strengths, and kind of play to their strengths that way, uh, and kind of negate the impact of what makes a good quarterback good or a bad quarterback bad. And so I think Keaton Slovis is in the perfect situation for someone to fill in. Case in point: Look at Washington State. Every time they've gotten a new quarterback, it, they've never dropped off. Whether whether it was um, Minshew taking over for um, for Falk, um, there was there was
5: Connor Halliday. Right there was. You, you mean those all weren't the same person that was just changing their name every it, four years? Because I could have sworn that's it what was happening. Felt like
3: it, right? You go back to Texas Tech with Mike Leach. Kingsbury turned into what was it, Sonny Cumbie who turned into to Graham Harrell who turned into all these guys. Yeah. They all put up the same exact numbers. and they all put did the same exact thing. That's the that's the benefit of having a system. Now the key is sticking to that system and allowing it to play out. Because as long as you're able to do that, I think USC will be just fine, even though you still have to get over the the regular kind of Freshman mistakes with Keaton Slovis that you kind of saw in that third quarter with like that interception.
5: Yeah, well, my big question for USC going forward is what will the system look like now? Because I remember going into last season saying like, "Hey, maybe starting the true freshman isn't the worst thing in the world because that'll force you to rely on this run game with these running backs that I really like." Said at the time, it was said where Steven Carr and Vavai Malapai. And maybe maybe it'll force USC to really put the focus on their ground game. Obviously, that did not happen. USC's offensive line wasn't good enough to make it happen. USC had no desire to to make it happen.
3: And we asked T. Martin about it, and through the action, we we kind of saw that they. Uh, because I choose not to run. <laughs>
5: yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So this will be very interesting because in that second half, I mean, this was a game where USC had a runner with twenty three carries. That was Vai Malapai, and. I thought Stephen Carr could add more than the six that he ended up having. So USC's balance on the day was something like 45 to, to 65% run pass. And I'm curious if that's going, going to continue in a, a situation where Keaton Slovis is the starter from the first play. Are they going to rely on the running game more than they would have? Or are they just going to keep, you know, all uh, all eyes forward and and keep on at exactly as they were going to because it seemed to me like they were certainly out there running a bit more uh in in the context of having Keaton out especially there
3: especially that first drive and then the yeah. first three plays were just handoff handoff handoff
5: yeah so in one sense I can look at that and say well maybe that's a good thing because then maybe Graham Harrell will do the thing that I wanted USC to do last year where look you got this guy Vavai Malapaya you got this guy Stephen Carr hey you got these guys this guy Marquis steps sitting on the bench too who can lead your team, can lead your offense. They're good enough athletes to to be great runners. And if your offensive line can come together and you give your offensive line some some, uh, more simple tasks and let them just go out there and be physical, then maybe this can turn out well. On the other hand, this is an air raid offense. This is a pass-based offense. This is a pass to open up the run offense. So you do need to be able to pass the ball. You do need to be able to be willing to throw the ball 40 times even though you have a freshman quarterback in there. So there needs to be a balance between, hey, we can rely on our run game, but also sticking to the identity that you planned this whole off- offense to, to, to go around and figuring out that balance is going to be fascinating because I, I think you can you can go either way uh, and either way can can go wrong, you know, depending on on what is and isn't natural uh, that you throw out there.
3: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, you you definitely have to be able to do both because you want to be able to pass to set up the run. And if there's one thing you're going to cut out in this offense, it is the run. That's probably just going to be because you're passing the ball so effectively you don't need to run. But you're always going to need to pass to set up the run in this offense. So it will be interesting to see what happens against Stanford, if that changes or not. Um, One of the ideas that I think I wanted to to mention uh, in doing the rewatch, Rod Gilmore kept talking about it over and over and over again. It was something that was brought up at our meetup, something I had never thought about, but it made total sense. And I've heard it since then, the idea of a script and how USC comes out in these scripts at the beginning of the games. And it's not a coincidence that they go up to these 14 and 10 point leads at the beginning of games and then the offense looks great and then they falter how it really does pertain to that idea of a script. And so I think that the good thing about that is I think you can feel confident – in going into Stanford, that USC is going to be prepared for those first couple of drives to get Keaton Slovis in a rhythm, to kind of find an opportunity to establish the running game through the script that way. It's just going to be a matter of how do you keep that rhythm for Slovis? How do you keep that rhythm for, for the running lanes that it creates for Vi and Carr and mix that all together and keep the momentum going forward? Because in the rewatch, one of the things that you mentioned was the offense was much better in terms of efficiency than you than you thought you know early on. Like it, through the initial time that we watched the game, right? Which I I do agree with because if you look back at the at the game, so many of the offensive drives that failed came down to one mistake. And so what happens if that mistake doesn't happen? Yeah. The problem is you can't have those mistakes. You in, right. in week 1 it makes a little bit more sense, but you can't keep giving this team the week one mistake, I mean the week one excuse, when we've seen it time and time and time again, even when it's not week one.
5: Yeah, well they've proven that they, last year, they had the same mistakes in week one as as week 12 and every week they said we're going to fix this and every week they didn't. So uh, the proof will be in the pudding, obviously, but that's the biggest thing that USC can do to help Keaton Slovis. The system to me, on that watch, looked like it could hold up. The question is, can USC's playmakers keep their concentration long enough for the offense to still run smoothly on the 3rd and 4th drive of the game because that's to me what ha- what seemed to happen in the second quarter of games for USC is players just seem to lose their concentration and the, and the mistakes start to pile up and it's a real problem when your veteran best players are the ones making those mistakes Tyler Vaughn drops a pass on a 3rd down Amon Ross St. Brown drops a, ba- a pass on a third down, JT Daniels throws an interception at the goal line. Those those three plays alone absolutely destroy USC in that second quarter. Well, Keaton Slovis needs to not make the mistakes that he made in, in the second half as far as throwing that arm punt interception. But if he can sort of keep himself settled down, make the simple uh, choices and, and get, get the ball out quickly, if his receivers hold on to the ball, if the players around him give him a, a solid foundation, then he will be fine. But this is the big question that goes into the season, right? All last season when JT was gearing up to get ready to play, we were saying the reason that Georgia and, and, uh, and uh, Jake Fromm were able to have success, the reason that Tua Tagovailoa at Alabama is able to have success is because the freshman is surrounded by a solid team of people that are all doing their job and that aren't making the critical mistakes. So you can carry the freshman uh, as, as far as he'll he'll let you take him. Keaton Slovis is going to be in that situation. The The performance that you see from Keaton Slovis, the performance level, will be a direct reflection of how much support he's being given by the 10 teammates that are on the field with him at any given moment and the 11 teammates who are on the field when he's not on there.
3: Yeah, uh, you, you want him to be able to play to his highest level and pick people up. But it again, it's going to go down to, can you catch the ball on third down?
5: Well, USC needs to make it exactly—USC needs to prove you right, Michael. They need to prove you right in in the sense that the quarterback shouldn't matter in this system. Right.
3: Yeah, if there's going to be a mistake, have it be some bonehead, you know— Fre- Freshman mistake. Freshman yeah. mistake. You can, you can live with those. You can rationalize those out, right? That— well, that's what—that's the growing pains that you got to go through. That that long pass of the arm punt, right? I don't think anyone's holding that against Keenan Slovis because that's what you sign up for when you have a true freshman quarterback. It's the mistake like J.T. Daniels had, where he throws the interception at the goal line. That's the mistake. When he should know better. Yeah, that's the mistake you can't have as a quarterback. It's J.T. Daniels throwing to a Tyler Vaughns who has a third down conversion in his hands and can't hold on to it that's got to get better Tyler Vaughn's fumbling after catching a pass on Slovis' first pass that can't happen you got you yeah. got to get better at that those things you clean those up you're going to finish off drives you're going to get more points and you're going to be able to have a second quarter that doesn't end up as a lull and allow fresno state to build momentum into the into halftime and then come out in the third quarter and put SC back on their back foot again.
5: Well, speaking of finishing off drives, I mean, if not for those real individual mistakes that USC had, USC was finishing off drives extremely well. You know, Stephen Carr catches a pass and and forces his way into the end zone on the sideline. Uh, Stephen Carr had a 14-yard run to get into the end zone where he's just, the offensive line is clearing the way for him and and then he's making the next effort uh, to get those extra five yards down to the goal line. Um, You have, I thought USC's Offense in the red zone was very effective, which is a really nice change to see. It's just that they had those two big turnovers in the red zone as well. That you know, one of them is J T. Daniels fumbling on the sack, which you totally understand. If I you know, the, the when you have a knee injury, that's going to happen. Uh, but the the interception was definitely a problem. So there, it the the thing I'm most uh, optimistic about is that. For all the ways that this law lo- that this game felt like a loss because it felt like the same old thing that we've seen over and over and over again, um, there's still that endless hope that if they just clean up this, that or the other thing, they are one step closer to this turning out okay uh, because they look more capable of it's only one or two little min- little mistakes instead of something like watching the cow game where it was, Fifty mistakes.
3: Yeah, for the offense, I will one hundred percent give you that. Especially with Graham Harrell as a new offensive coordinator, he kind of needs more than just one game to just cast them in stone as to what the offense is. Not sure it works like that for the defense. You and I rewatched the game, and if anything, the defense I think looks worse on a, on a rewatch because it's more evident of how slow they were to react and and create these adjustments to what Fresno State was doing because Fresno State knew the game plan. USC was going to plug up the, the, the middle of the field and take away Ronnie Rivers. They did that, and Fresno State was more than willing to have all these zone read option keepers for Jorge Reyna and the jet sweeps and all these misdirection plays in which SC really had no answer for it. They couldn't set an edge. They couldn't defend the perimeter, and Fresno State was just getting a bunch of yards that way.
5: Yeah, and that's the biggest concern is that we went into this game thinking, man, USC secondary is a big concern, and how are they gonna fa- how are they gonna do, and all of this, and it turned out that like, the secondary wasn't the problem. It was it was the perimeter defense, and it was the defensive ends, this new defensive front where you have the the sort of more traditional defensive ends, who need to be able to set an edge, and they weren't able to do it. The number of times that I saw Christian Rector. Totally bite on the wrong uh, handoff instead of going after the keeper uh, was it just it it got too many times too many times. That's how Jorge Reina was breaking off five, ten yards each time he took it on the outside. And it was really disappointing to see the performance of USC's linebackers uh, for that for that reason as well. I guess you could throw the nickelbacks in there as well as well, because those are the guys that you need to be out on the perimeter uh, to get out to get out there quickly and to take the right angle to take down the man who as he's coming around the edge, and I didn't see that from out and who I had really really high hopes for, and yet I'm rewatching this game, thinking to myself like, man, man, where is he? What is he doing? Well, I mean, this this defense was supposed to simplify everything, and it doesn't look like it simplified the 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 speed of play for anyone in that front seven. And that is a huge, huge concern. Um, by comparison, I thought that USC's secondary held up very well. Now, Jorge Reyna is not the most talented passer out there. I think he missed several balls, but for the most part, I thought that there was good coverage. Um, a couple big exceptions: Chris Steele gives up that big play downfield, um, but but there weren't huge coverage breakdowns. You know?
3: Um. Okay. I'm. Gonna, I'm. Gonna, I'm going to jump in here. I. I... There, there weren't huge breakdowns that led to huge gains for w- f- with lots of rack, but there were big breakdowns in the sense that they didn't win balls they could have gotten to. Uh, we saw that with the touchdown pass that, that goes right over Chase Williams' head, right? Yeah. He has a little stutter step. I don't know if he was trying to time a leap or whatever it was, but there was a little hitch in his giddy-up that kind of took away his ability to make a play there. Uh, yes. You, you see Greg Johnson on the fourth down play and I get that it's a it's a hell of a play from Fresno State and that's a that's a difficult play for Greg Johnson to make, but he didn't make the play. Uh there there were other plays where ITS was was in position and didn't make the play. Right. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of these moments. Now, in comparison, but, by comparison, but those if, well, are those are well, players
5: that who... But in comparison
3: to the offense, we we talked about the the quarterback with Keaton Slovis, your young guys, allow them to make the, the the freshman mistakes and rely on your veterans to make the to to be the everyday play guy, the every play heroes, right? And yeah, if that was the only problem, if the only problem is in this game was Chase Williams getting beat deep and Greg Johnson, you know, not being able to cover on fourth down and on a great catch by by Fresno State's receiver. You could live with it a little bit more, but that wasn't where USC was getting beat on a play-by-play basis. And because it was up on the front, on the line of scrimmage,
5: on the perimeter at the edge, and those were also play. Like for instance, those were also plays where Jorge Reyna has a lot of time. Yeah, they're one of them. I think it's the Chris Steele one where Christian Rector hits him as he throws. And that was the, that was pretty much the only one where you where you look at that from the defensive line perspective, from the pass rush perspective and think, oh, man, that's that's tight. That that's that sucks. That's a good stand in and, and throw the ball moment for the quarterback. Well,
3: the fourth down play, Hunter Eccles is there. Well, uh, and if he's able to get more of a hand on on Reyna, maybe the, the pass is inaccurate. Or if he's able to get the sack, obviously there is no pass.
5: Right. And you see that from Christian Rector. You see that from Jay Tufele at times as well is that. Uh, Jorge Reyna was a was a. They had a problem tracking him down in the backfield, and credit Jorge Reyna because he obviously was moving around really well. But again, those are the kinds of things that separate your defense. Those are the those are the things that were the emphasis all off, off season long. Is we need to finish plays, and when you're hearing that from USC's coaches and you're hearing that from USC's players, we need to finish plays. And then you come out in game one and you don't finish the majority of the of those plays, then. It's it's really disappointing. It's really disappointing because a lot of the things that I think were emphasized were not the things that showed up in this first game. And again, it's the kind of thing where, you know, in week two, maybe we'll know more. Maybe it really was just them sorting it out. Uh, But at the same time, it goes back to the same conversation we were just having it having. We would give you more of that benefit of the doubt if. That wasn't also happening in week 10, 11 and 12 last year after it was clearly an issue in week one, two and three. So I definitely came away a little bit more disappointed with the defense because the issues that I saw with the defense had a lot less to do with the uh, the youth, which I thought was I was going to be ready to get cut some slack on and had a lot less to do with, you you know, just like a one individual mistake like that wasn't really what was going on because Fresno State was putting together weirdly long drives that weren't actually long like they were like 10 plays and 30 yards or 40 yards and they weren't get they were being held to field goals but when you look at that kind of play that tells me that for instance your success rate can't be very high like this isn't a it didn't feel like a situation where USC was was you know, big play on first, big play on second. Then you sort of give up the third down, and, and the drive continues. Like too often, these drives were Fresno State's averaging four yards of play, four yards, five yards of play, just moving down the field, moving down the field, and you're not getting off the field on third down. You're just they're just going, going, going until you get down to field goal range, and then finally you make the two plays in a row that you needed to make to get them into a, a, a to get them into a situation where they have to take the field goal instead of getting the touchdown. But for the most part, I just felt like there were too many stretches of this game where Fresno State was taking what they wanted, and a lot of it had to do with the with the perimeter game. A lot of it had to do with Jorge Reyna's keepers, and and when when Fresno State had the big chunk success, it was through the passing game. But Fresno State's run game was quite effective out on that outside, and that's not something that you want to see.
3: Yeah, I put on Twitter that as impressive as Reyna was, just imagine what's going to happen when someone like Khalil Tate has the ability to get outside for USC. If they have the same sort of game plan, they're going to have to find a way to shore up the, the perimeter and be able to stop them, take take that away. And I got a lot of replies on Twitter of like, well, SC's always shut down Khalil Tate. And mind you, that tweet was not about Khalil Tate. It, it's not the idea of Tate because there's Tate's there's the BYU quarterback, the Zach Wilson.
5: Well, ASU's new quarterback a- is going to be ASU's a problem there. ASU's new
3: quarterback, Jaden, Jaden Daniels. Dorian right?
5: Thompson-Robinson.
3: Uh, Ian Book. All these guys have that perimeter um, ability, just like Jorge Reyna. It's not about Khalil Tate. It's about what USC is doing and their inability to set that edge and their inability to diagnose what's going on with the zone read and get to the mesh point and all that kind of stuff. As he's got to find a way to do that, um, maybe it was just a strictly game plan of take away the middle, take away Ronnie Rivers, and force Jorge Reyna to beat you. If that was the if that was the situation, Jorge Reyna almost did it. But the point is, you want Jorge Reyna to beat you with his arm, not his legs.
5: Well, and it, absolutely yes. If, if at, at least, given what we know now, yes.
3: Because, like you and I talked about it, we didn't, we didn't think of right. him as a scrambler.
5: Yeah. But, but then, so then this is my, this is just my basic observation that I look at. Okay, I get you wanted to take away Ronnie Rivers, but like the strength of your defense is that interior defensive line. So did they really need the extra help? Like, did you really need John Houston and Polly Anateote to be biting inside every single time when throughout the game, Fresno State was beating you on the outside like maybe you should cheat to the outside a little bit more maybe you should concede a little bit like concede the extra yard inside in order to prevent the five yards on the outside like that's the kind of adjustment that I wanted to see from USC and it's not really what we saw and it's concerning the the nice thing about the offense is that we get it we got to evaluate that performance under the guise of Graham Harrell, you have to give him the chance. You you give him the chance in week two to prove that this wasn't just the same old, same old with USC. The problem with evaluating the defense is Clancy Pendergast doesn't get that cushion. We've seen what Clancy Pendergast defenses look. We don't get to look at this and say, oh, well, maybe it's just the first game or whatever. No, like, but this is this is the same defense that that we saw all of last year. So you have to look at it a little bit more harshly. You have to look at it a little bit more extremely. And I was prepared to go into the season, giving the defense a little bit more uh, of a break because they are breaking in so many new players. But where the vulnerabilities were, they they weren't in the areas that I thought I was going to have to give people breaks.
3: Yeah, yeah. You, you, you gotta, you need your best players to be your best players.
5: Like if if Jordan Ayasefa had had put in the performance that Paula Nate Naateote put in. I could have at least looked at it and said, well, Jordan ISF is a, is a, is a more limited player. Like, he's not the athlete that Palaena ote is. Um, if, if Drake Jackson had had the performance that Christian Rector had, I could have looked at it and said, well, he's such an inexperienced player. That makes sense. But, like, those two players, you look at them and you go like, man, you, you guys have to be a lot better. You guys need to be the core of this defense. And they weren't.
3: Yeah, but Drake Jackson looked great. Well, yeah, exactly. He He definitely looked great. Uh, in his first performance. Uh, Let's take a quick break. We'll go to Over Under, talk about our picks there, uh, and break down the happenings in the stat sheet. So we'll be right back. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right, Alicia, this is a wonderful week of Over Under. Such a great game we play on this podcast. I love it. I love it so much. I know the people at home love it. They all love, feed off the energy that this game brings us. It's it's so glorious.
5: You, you are very excited about this over under. Oh, it's beautiful. And there is only one reason for that.
3: Oh, don't don't spoil it, folks. Don't 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 spoil <laughs> it. Let's start with number one. one: fifteen and a half carries for USC's leading rusher in terms of carries 16 would give you the over you said over. I said under it was over 23 for Vavai Uh You get a point there. Six for Stephen Carr, zero for Marquis step and zero for Keenan Kristen.
5: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm glad. Well, I, well, I'm glad for me that uh, my suspicion about how this would all go paid off. Uh, Mike Kings is a guy who likes a single running back and USC rode that running back in Vivai Malapai. What I think is really interesting is the response to the idea that Marquis Stepp didn't get any, didn't get any carries. And honestly, I'm a little bit surprised that Step didn't get in at all. But only in the sense that I thought he might get a, a carry here, you know, just in the second half or something like that. I have been trying to tell people for a while now that Marquis Stepp was not going to be one of the primary runners in this offense. Bymelapea and Steven Carr are the guys, that's the two backs, the the two backs that they trust, and Marquis Step has not gained that kind of trust level from the coaching staff yet. So, while I didn't expect him to get zero carries, uh this is this this is not something that is them, you know, coming out of coming out of left field and all of a sudden they're blackballing Marquis Step. No, this is what they have been telling us all August. Steph had a way to go to uh, to to develop his all-around game in order to get in there and, and actually play.
3: Yeah, and I think Vi's going to end up with more carries for me, not just because he's going to be the number one back, but because I think they're going to use Carr more as a dual threat guy who can get involved as an all-purpose back out of the backfield in the receiving game.
5: Well, he had 12 touches.
3: Yeah, he had 12 touches, 13 overall. I think that includes the return, I think. So you include that and it allows him to be more involved and really a, a, a catch for a running back feels like two rushes. Yeah. So if you include it that way, if you if you kind of put that little, you know, weighted system on it, it almost feels like they got as much run.
5: Well, and he was a, he was USC's second leading receiver. Yeah. So you sort of put it in that context. He, which is
3: which is crazy yeah. given the number of receivers that USC has. Who are capable of putting up big numbers?
5: Well, can we talk really briefly? Actually, we we will talk about Amon Rossi and Brown, so I'll save it for then.
3: All right, let's go over or under zero point five drives for Keaton Slovis. This is where this is where the magic happens, Alicia. When you just have these premonitions, where you're like, I gotta take that over.
5: You and, predicted that J T Daniels would get injured before halftime. Is no, that what you're saying, you did. I
3: did not. <laughs> I predicted that Keaton Slovis would lead a drive. And I'll be damned. He led it. Drive. He led six of them, and I get the over. And you took the under. And give me a freaking point for that.
5: Yeah, you you got you got the over. You got the over. That's that's right. Uh, well let, done. Let's go to the next
3: one. Uh, over or under one and a half sacks for USC. The Trojans had six games with one or less last year. Fresno State was averaging less than a one allowed per game. You said over. I said over. It was over. It
5: was three. And USC, I heard multiple people say they thought it should have been seven or eight. Yeah, and it really should have been. Did Did you agree with me that SC was
3: so much better when they brought the heat?
5: Yes, uh, they were better, but I uh, okay. The great thing about a great defensive line is that you don't have to bring the heat in order to create pressure. Sure, I'll give you that. And USC's defensive line should be good enough that when you send four, you're still getting pressure. And that's a concern.
3: That is more than fair. Uh, Let's go to the fourth over-under. Over-under 6.5 catches by Amon Ross St. Brown. You said over, I said over. It was five, which is the under. We both get that wrong.
5: Yeah, I don't think anyone saw I think uh, I certainly didn't imagine Tyler Vaughn's getting 11 catches for from... I think
3: Amon-Ra had 5 like
5: early too. Yeah. Yeah. He was not very active and th- the thing about the re- receivers that I found very interesting if you had told me that Amon-Ra St. Brown would get 5 catches uh, I could have said, you know what, that makes that makes sense because, you know, if, if Tyler Vons gets sort of 5-6, Amon Ross-St. Brown gets 5-6, Michael Pittman gets 5-6, Devin Williams gets 5-6, Valis Jones gets 3-4, uh, maybe one or two to, to Cromwell and follow, and then you'd sort of add up, right? USC had three total receivers. Three receivers catch pass in that game. Michael Pittman, Tyler Vons, and Amon Ross-St. Brown. That's it. That is... When you put it that
3: way, that is shocking. Given given that Graham Harrell talked about wanting to have, you know, at least eight guys this year and ideally as many as 15 receivers that you want to use in the system,
5: SC didn't use any. Not only that. All they
3: relied on were the main dudes.
5: Not only that, but they didn't even – it's not that they, they were only relying on those dudes. They weren't even subbing in other dudes. Devin Williams did not play in this game. He was not on the participation chart in this game on offense or special teams or anything like that. Like, people want to talk about, like, Marquis Stepp not getting in the game. Devin Williams not getting in the game at all is is the big surprise here. And I think Drake London had, like, came in, like, for one or two plays. Like, I didn't see see him very very often much more than just a, a couple of plays. So it was basically those three guys plus Valus Jones or a tight end. And that that was it. I mean, that was surprising.
3: Yeah, I I would not have expected that at all, especially in week one. Mind you, again, maybe if SC finishes off those drives in the second quarter uh, and they put up, let's just say, reasonably 10 more points in the second quarter and it's 27-10 at the half, and maybe it changes things. Maybe the second half is Slovis throwing the ball around to, you know, McLean and 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 Drake Drake London London and and, and all those guys. So maybe maybe that was the plan going forward to, to get a lead up in there. Uh, either way, uh, I would not have guessed that. Uh, next one, over under 2.5, tight end catches. North Texas has a, had averaged 2.2 per game last year. You took the over. I took the over. I think we were both expecting both Cromenhoek and Josh Follow to get a catch. Um, no, only Eric Cromenhoek, and he had one, which is on a shovel pass. So we both get that wrong.
5: Yeah, weird performance by the tight ends uh, because – Follow was definitely out there and he was present. They just weren't targeting him. And I don't know if that was uh, Fresno State taking, a, taking him away or not. And Cromenhoek was definitely out there. And I, I half expected a couple little dump-offs because that's what we'd seen in practice where the tight end is a little bit of an outlet. And instead, USC was generally just sort of going to the to the running back in, in those instances. But uh, for a game where the tight ends did not produce a single thing in terms of catches – it was probably the most encouraging tight end performance I've seen in a long, long time. Because as I mentioned earlier in this episode, not only did Eric Cromenhoek have one of the best blocking games I've ever seen from a tight end at USC, but Josh Follow's out there putting up some some nice blocks too. Josh Follow is, is, showed that he could hold his own in those situations too. That is extremely encouraging from my perspective. And I think that the longer that you get those kinds of contributions from those players the more you're going to be able to see them involved in the passing game because they're going to be warrant being out on the field the more that the tight ends are valuable as run blockers the more incentive you have to to stick with with uh with the personnel that has the tight end out on the field as opposed to going four wide or or in other variations
3: yeah and even four wide could include a tight end so yeah. that that i am 100% on board with you there uh, last one over under 349 usc passing yards that was the season high last year. You took the over. I took the under. It was under at two hundred and seventy two. This is where I got lucky. yes. SC was gonna shoot over this by far. Jt's
5: blowing through four hundred yeah. yards if he stays out on that field one hundred percent. yeah. Uh, so <laughs> that's just that that sucks. That's unfortunate. Yeah,
3: so bottom line is Alicia, read the score.
5: I started out two and four. Michael started out three and three, and he's having a party.
3: Yeah, that's right, baby. That is freaking right.
5: Big win, big victory,
3: big victory as far as I'm concerned. And 500 is winning in this case. I just want to point that out there. Uh, Let's get to the Rod Index. We said if USC scores 30, they'll win. If USC holds Fresno State to 20, they'll win. High five. We freaking did that one. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty
5: much. Uh,
3: SC scored 31 and SC won. uh, SC holds Fresno State to 23, which is just about 20. And even if they would have held them to 20, they would have won two.
5: Yeah, so we can kind of blame uh, that, that Tyler Vaughn's fumble because it sets up a field goal. And that's what puts them over 20. <laughs> I don't know. I, that's uh, Sure.
3: I think that that works. And you take away the special teams touchdown. SC only has 24 offensive points at that yep. point. 24 points generated by the offense. And at that point, 20 Points allowed would have won it. Well, and
5: that's – and this is something we got into on the cast. I think, where, you know, I would feel better if USC's offense had scored 30 points. I really would. But they didn't, so.
3: Yeah. Alas, they did not. Jimmy um, mean, Gigi almost threw a touchdown pass to the Fresno State linebacker, Justin Reed. Justin Reed? No, Justin Rice. Justin Rice. <laughs> I think Justin Reed played for Utah?
5: LSU. LSU, Okay.
3: I think so. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Let's go to the game predictions. Bill Connolly's numbers had USC by 7.7 with a 67% win probability. Nailed it. Alicia, SC won by 8, which is 7.7 rounded up. Yes. SC won by 8, 31 to 23, which is not a cover in Vegas, but your prediction was 31-24. Spot on. Mine was 34-13, which I thought had a really good chance at one point in the game. So they were
5: sitting right at 13.
3: Yeah, they were sitting there, and I was like, if they could just hold on here, I- I'll look like a genius. But no, you're the one who ends up looking like a genius.
5: Uh, I mean, I look like a genius, except that, again, I really would have preferred if USC had scored 31 points on offense. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I that prediction was I thought USC would score 31 points on offense and make me a little bit happy, and Fresno State would score a late touchdown to cover that is clearly not what happened, uh, but score-wise,
3: yeah. There you go. Uh, let's go to the Pick'em League. You went 16-5 and on your Pick'em picks. We're yeah. recording this on Monday afternoon, so it's before the Monday night uh, game between your alma mater, Notre Dame, and Louisville. So take that for a grain of salt there on those numbers because they could change. But I went 12-9, and which is 55th in the league. I do want to give a little bit of a disclaimer for some reason I must not have hit submit
5: that so, happened to me in so, the past
3: So my my picks that I entered on Thursday just didn't register So it, had I gone 4 and 0 on Thursday which probably would not would have Would you happened, have gone 4 and 0 Michael? No, but had I gone 4 and 0 I mean we'd have the same record but yeah. I probably would not have gone 4 and 0 so yeah. Yeah. it doesn't matter so uh the leader uh thus far through all of the games with the exception of the Notre Dame game on Monday nights is Conquest, Timmy Kutnock, I hope I'm saying that right. And six one four Trojan,
5: who all combined to put up a eighteen and three day or week. Yeah, well good done, job, guys. That's really good picking picking twenty one games and you get eighteen of them right, especially against week the spread
3: one. in in week one. Yeah, with, the, with those weird huge
5: spreads. Yeah. yeah, impressive.
3: Yeah, well done. I'll take a quick break though. We'll come back and answer your questions in an enormous mailbag. We'll be right back.
0: You've got mail.
3: (laughs) All right, Alicia, let's go to a voicemail we got from Sean in beautiful Austin, Texas.
0: Hey,
1: Raina Troy. Sean here from beautiful Austin, Texas. First call of the season. I've never been more disappointed with the win. It seems like we have not learned any lessons. From last year, it was the same team. Uh, it's a pity what happened to TJ. Uh, he was looking great. Um, I, I really hope that he can do whatever he do, can do to get back. Um, Levi looked amazing. I, I was really impressed with Vivai. Uh, but, uh, man, everything was just, the, the cornerbacks were very weak. I, I was very surprised with, with how our cornerbacks played. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna play some good, some good passing teams and, we really need to up the cornerback game, but uh, love we'll the podcast. Fight on!
3: Thanks for the call, as always, Sean. Yeah, the cornerbacks had a couple of glaring mistakes, especially uh, when you look in the the nickel role that Chase Williams had, where he allows that that touchdown. But I think this goes back to what we were talking about a few segments ago. Those young guys having those big mistakes should not be a surprise. Certainly doesn't excuse them, but at least the The hope would be that they're learning experiences for going forward. Um, If there's a time to make those, it's at home in week one against a team like Fresno State and has a quarterback like Jorge Reyna, who is not KJ Costello, that SC could potentially get this week uh, against Stanford, even though maybe not. He he has a probable concussion and he's questionable and who knows what's going on with that. So uh, definitely an area in which SC needs to get better.
5: Yeah. And, and it is an area that you think that USC can get better just because you have, I I think I have some faith in the, in the ability of the guys that are out there and the personnel that are out there, but it's another one of those things where they have to prove it because we have seen this offense. I mean, sorry, this defense be prone to giving up these kinds of plays. So it could just as easily be just this defense as opposed to this personnel. And if it's this, this defense, then it's a much bigger issue than it, than, than if it's Just the individuals who need to tighten up their play.
3: Yeah, there were a lot of young guys in the secondary last year too. Um, Elijah Griffin and Greg Johnson. And both those guys I thought were kind of downtrodden at times because their confidence in taking a bit of a hit. So you want them to be able to see these things, go back to the film room and build on them. You don't want them to break them down. So yeah, SC still needs to prove that they can build on those issues in the secondary. Let's go to a voicemail. We got from our pal, Robert.
2: Michael Alicia. This is, uh, Robert from, uh, the couple of Nobles podcast and the meetup the other day. I just want to say, number one, thank you guys so much, uh, for putting the meetup together. Meeting you guys is awesome. Uh, putting a name to a face and just, you know, sit down with you guys was, uh, a little, uh, little Star Trek at first, but, uh, it, it went well. So thank you guys for doing that. Thank you guys even more for the shout out on your podcast. Like, that, that means, like I can't thank you have enough. I think that's extra cool. Um, but. Um, I was at the game and uh, I just wanna call one and just remind you of that Ned Stark reference for Clay Held, because uh is it too late to say that he's probably gonna get the axe soon. I mean at least the, he might get ice soon based on that performance. Um, and I did call the score. I did say that we would put up thirty one. I said that we were put up seventeen, so a little off on that, but I called the score. I said we were put up thirty one, uh that's in our episode that we're drawing today in our little car cast. Um, but uh I'll be curious to, to listen to what your thoughts are on the rewatch. I watched the game again this morning and, um, maybe I'm still drinking some Kool-Aid or something like that, but I came away more, uh, enthusiastic or more, I'm feeling better about it after the rewatch. I thought the, the defensive and the offensive line played play better than, than, uh, I thought in person. And to me, that's the, gonna be the key to our success. And, uh, I think we have, you know, I think I, I'm positive. I'm optimistic about that. So we'll see. Um, the quarterback situation, I agree with you guys. I don't think. One looks very much different from the other, so we'll see how that plays out. But I think, uh, I, you know, I think we're obviously taking a step back. But again, with the line and the line being what they were, that's, uh, that's kind of what, what gives me some type of hope for the future. So, um, looking forward to hearing from you guys. Good luck and, uh, fight on.
3: Thanks for the call, Robert. Awesome to hear from you. We had a hell of a time at the meetup meeting you. And you guys listening, go check out their podcast, The Couple of Nobodies podcast. We're going to talk about football, including SC here. Um, To get to Robert's question, Alicia, I, about the how the rewatch changes the perception of the offense and the defense, especially on the offensive line, I, I want to talk about the offensive line because I think you and I both have taken come away with the idea that the offensive line played pretty well here. I mean, we haven't talked about the, the play in which JT Daniels got hurt, which we can right now, Um, but outside of that play, I don't know where the offensive line really was a liability for USC, which is a huge change of pace um, for what SC has had over the last, you know, recent years.
5: Yeah, I think that they they were more, I think the percentage of plays that they were, they all were on the same page and all doing their job was a much, much, much higher than last year. There were a couple exceptions to that. There were some, you know, quote unquote physical beats that happened to a few of them. A couple for Brett Nealon, a couple for Jalen McKenzie. Uh, a couple for Andrew Voorhees, but you know, in general, I thought that they played pretty coherently, and even that play that, that they gave up the sack on JT, that's a play that is, is a, you know, n- not necessarily all on the offensive line, it's, it's on everybody on the offense knowing what's coming when a blitz is on the way, and Fresno State brings seven, USC only has six back to block, so that means no matter what, somebody's gonna get through on that play, and And the, you know, it's catastrophic across the board because all but one of the five, all all but one of the six blockers that USC has totally get overrun by that blitz. But, you know, the quarterback could throw the ball away quicker. Um, Everything about that play, it's not just on those five guys. It's on the team as a whole. And I don't think that play especially defines the overall offensive line performance, which was largely positive.
3: Yeah, to me that play was all about recognition because yes. they didn't re- – and you know, Brett Nealon talked about it after the game that you know there was an alert and we think it was Elijah Vera Tucker who alerted because if you watch it back, you can see him look up and like, hey, they're about to blitz right now. And he ends up being the only guy to actually make a sound block in the, on, on that play, right? Everyone else gets blown up or at least holds their own a little bit. And then that play is a you can see JT Daniels' primary read is Michael Pittman on a corner out to the left side. He's looking that way the whole time. Now, I think what should have happened is if the offensive line notices the the blitz, Elijah Vera Tucker alerts to Brett Nealon, Brett Nealon calls it, changes the protection, JT Daniels recognizes it. He then his read needs to change. His read then needs to to, to to move from being Pittman as the primary read to Amon St. Brown as the primary read because he just runs a little drag in front. You can wide open. You can throw it to him. He's in the area vacated by the Blitzers. It's an easy pickup for at least five yards, if not more, if he has an ability to get yards after the catch. Whereas the, staying with a long developing route, like a corner route, is not what you should be able to do with an all-out blitz coming at your way. So that's all about the pre-snap stuff. Um, Outside of that, I thought USC's offensive line played well, which is definitely definitely a big step uh, in the right direction.
5: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that's the big thing for me. The big thing for me is that every offensive line is going to have those breakdowns. Every team is going to have those plays where things go wrong. USC does this to Fresno State going the other way a couple times too with a, a couple exotic blitzes and overloading and all that kind of stuff. It happens. But on the, the bulk of your plays, what is your offensive line producing? How, are, what is the consistent performance of your offensive line? And over the past year, I got used to it's 50-50 flip a coin if the offensive line is going to be able to hold their own on this play. It was much closer to 75-25 this time around, and that is clear and obvious improvement for me. And it's encouraging, too, because this was a, a, a defense that Fresno State, where they return players, they return them on the defensive line. And so this wasn't a, you know, breaking in a bunch of new players who had never, these were the first start, all that kind of stuff. No, these are veteran guys that USC's offensive line handled well. And I think that uh, you can be very encouraged by that performance. You need to see them go ahead and do that against Stanford, but it's an encouraging performance at the very least.
3: 100%. Let's go to an email we got from Andrew in Buckeye Country. Questions for the podcast. Thank you for your breakdown and post-game comments, Alicia and Michael. My questions for you guys is such. After your rewatch, Alicia, in regard to the defense and them not being able to control and contain the edges, would it be better for them to switch from a 4-3 to a 3-4? Do we even have enough depth or talent to make that change? I think a three-four would work better against these run-heavy and mobile quarterbacks. Will be seen this year. A bunch of questions from Andrew here, so we're going to break it down piece by piece. Uh, Alicia, four-three, three-four. Got thoughts?
5: Well, the whole idea between, behind this front is that they they do run a multiple defense, so in theory, they could do this. And I I suspect I mean, we see it on third down. Yes, uh, but even more so, I suspected that there might be situations where they would have gone to sort of the the 3-4 uh, look with Jordan Ayasefa coming on the field along with Houston and Ian Aoteote as the inside linebackers, you know, technically inside linebackers. Um, but Jordan Ayasefa got injured, and I don't know if they if there's another player that they trust enough to, to fill that role, um, so obviously it's not something that they threw out there in, in week one. Um, I think the bigger issue really is just you got to have guys do their job. Like, I think if you're Clancy Pendergast, I know this is a unsatisfying answer, but I think what he would say is, you know, I need to rely, I need to be able to rely on my red shirt senior captain to hold this edge. You know, I think it's sometimes you can just go back to things as simple as execution.
3: For sure. Uh, let's go to Andrew's offensive question. On offense, how do you see the coaches and everyone, quote, adjusting to Keaton Slovis now taking away snaps in comparison to JT? When you could see the team play, how is he in working the air raid and gelling with others? I'm optimistic in Graham Harrell and the system he's installed and Slovis hopefully improving and settling.
5: Yeah, I think they're going to adjust just fine. I mean, like you've been getting out all, all all year, it's like the quarterback doesn't really matter that much in in theory in this system and Keaton Slovis is a kid who's come in, and I think he's he's a uh, uh, likable enough. I think he he gels well. I mean, the players obviously aren't going to go out there and say, you know what? No, we don't like Keaton. But you know, you get the feeling that he's well liked. He's he's respected for a freshman, so that's one thing. And in terms of how he played working in the air I think that the reason he's the second team quarterback here is because he fit the system really well. He fit Graham Harrell yeah. really well.
3: He ran the system in, in high school. And I think that's where the advantage is, is that this system fit him You know, before. He knew the system. He knew how everything worked. Wasn't exactly the same thing, obviously, but it was more similar to what, um, say, Matt Fink was expected to do last year for USC. So I don't think there's a, a big learning curve I think that there not being a learning curve is why Keaton Slovis was able to be the backup in the first place that's why he was able to hit the ground running a little bit because he meshes with with Graham Harrell so much Uh, thanks for the email Andrew which he finishes by saying sorry for all the questions but I feel the future is dark and full of terrors thanks and fight on Andrew from Buckeye Country Uh, let's go to a voicemail we got from Joe
1: Hey Michael Malicia um, I was just on
2: Twitter, and unless i 'm hallucinating, it said j t Daniels out for
1: the season <laughs> USC just uh has that kind of luck this decade. I mean ugh. um basically I, what I want to ask you guys is um uh, what what are your predictions now that um it looks like Keaton Slovis will be the guy for the year? How many wins do you think that takes away from your original prediction. Um and what else do you think about this? I mean it, obviously it's pretty big, but um as we can tell last night from the President of State game, I mean we have a lot more problems than just the quarterback situation. Um anyways, thank you guys, fight on Thanks for the call
3: Joe. This is fascinating because I I don't know that it changes my prediction of eight and four. I think it changes what I perceive as USC's ability to overachieve. I think if USC was going to go out and go 10-2, and if USC was going to win the conference, it was going to take JT being great, right? It was going to take all the players being great. If they were going to go out and maybe go to the Rose Bowl or whatever, they were going to turn everything around and be the team that you wanted them to be. If they were going to relive 2016, it was going to be because the quarterback and because of every other player took them to the next level. I'm not going to sit here and predict that that's on the table right now because we haven't seen it from... Keaton Slovis we saw two quarters of, I mean sorry two drives of it from JT Daniels in that game but you need to see some of it from Keaton Slovis does that a chain, change anything else I don't think so I think to me that the middle ground that eight and four the seven and five eight and four nine and three range is still pretty reasonable if anything it's more seven and five eight and four now instead of eight and four nine and three but I'm still comfortable saying eight and four
5: I think when you lose your starting quarterback, you're you're perfectly well within your rights to knock off a win from the win total. So I, sure. I, I said eight and four. I will comfortably say it's probably something more like seven and five. I think the difference here is probably I predicted USC to beat uh, Washington, and I am stepping back a little bit from that. Seeing Keaton Slovis go in his first—I uh, mean, in a, in a, as a true freshman, go to Seattle— I think it's a totally different uh, scenario than having JT in that same situation. Um, I think that you look at the Utah game and you can flag that as a potential also switch for my for my season predictions. But at the same time— I
3: still can't get over that you had FC beating Utah and Washington. Yeah. Talk about homer status.
5: Uh, no, I don't think USC beating Utah at, at the Coliseum is is a huge homer status.
3: No, but the, the it's the combination of the two. Yeah,
5: yeah. I mean— Homer. It's bold. Homer. I'm, I'm stepping back on it um, because I do think that JT Daniels was a different equation here than Keaton slowis But at the same time, like my my I am more willing to step back on both of those games as opposed to just split them. Um, less having to do with the quarterback and more having to do with the defense, because I'm low key a little bit worried that the defensive line that I saw was just kind of good. Not great. And I think USC needs that defensive line to be great this year in order to, uh, to to pull off something like eight and four, to pull off something like nine and three. And that's not really what I saw. So in, until further notice, I'm definitely taking a step back from my eight and four prediction.
3: Pushback question: What we saw from Jake Jackson was very good in week one. Yes. In general, who are you more confident with seeing improve, or? better yet who are you more more confident in having consistency out of drake jackson or christian rector because i think you can make the case that you know christian rector having a game in which you might classify it as disappointing isn't stopping him from going out and having a good game against stanford because, oh for sure. But, because if, if if you had to bet on who is more likely to have a successful game, you're going to take the veteran, right?
5: Right. But if Christian Rector is doing that thing where he's two games on, two games off, USC's not going nine and three. Sure. So that's my issue. And it's also not just Christian Rector. Uh my my concern over this is, is you know, the defensive ends had their issues in this game, but J2 Fele should be generating more pressure than he does. Uh, Marlon Tupelotu can generate more pressure than he does. Brandon Peely, those guys. like The interior guys can, uh, in order for me to say that this line is going to be great, they need to do more than they showed on Fresno State. It can't just be all about Christian Rector and Drake Jackson. Those guys need to get involved and they need to finish their plays too.
3: Yep. I'm right there with you. Let's go to a voicemail we got from Jeff.
1: Hey, you guys. This is Jeff. I'm a robot newbie slash pledge Alicia's gonna figure out what I've got to do to uh, survive my initiation ceremony. I have one comment and then one question. First of all, I watched uh Dan Weber this morning on the um, uh, his his take on the the game and then I listened to your car cast and um you know we're in trouble when both Alicia and Dan Weber are pissed off and it's it's only week one. Second, uh my question is it seems there's a general consensus that coming into this game that there will be more questions than answers. Uh, once the game was played, but it appears that there is actually one big answer, and that is that things have not changed enough in order to justify Clay Helton's saying. And uh, I know it's only week one, but of course, I'd love to hear uh, your take on it. Uh, wishing you guys the best from Copenhagen. Take care. Bye, Don.
3: Thanks, Jeff. Going international there.
5: Yeah, Jeff from Co- Copenhagen was wondering uh, if we have some sort of initiation for the robot. So uh, we need to kind of come up with that, Michael. Like. Does he need to spin around 3 times, hop up and down and say the socal spell out and get all the letters fitting into to that particular I think thing? I don't like
3: the socal spell out.
5: I don't like that. Well, I, it's not that I don't like the socal spell out. I just think it's ridiculous that the socal spell out doesn't have room the the syllables to to count each letter in is this Southern why California. You, is
3: this why it's easier for you as Notre Dame Gram to just <laughs> chant
5: we are N O T R E D A M. No, you you <laughs> should know that it's just we are N D. We are N D. Well, you yeah. can say we are S C too. Yeah, there you go. Yeah.
3: I like the we are S C
5: chant. Yeah, I do too. The we are S C chant is. I mean, great. it's
3: not original, but I like it.
5: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's great to have you on board as a robot, Jeff. Uh, we we dub you. We dub the a a robot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much. I think Jeff also hits the nail on the head too in that. You know, we needed to see some change, and there simply wasn't enough for me to be positive. And I, we, we talked all off season how, at least I talked all off season about giving them a chance, uh, taking them at their word, taking things uh, for um, on face value as far as the changes that we'd seen, and then seeing how it plays out in the season. And when you when you put in that kind of performance in week one, it's not different enough. And it needed to be quite different, and it really wasn't. Uh, there were little improvements, but big ones were not there. So that's yeah. the problem.
3: And now they got to go prove that uh, that there are changes against Stanford. And yeah. Stanford's the game that everyone always talks about. But, you know, as our friends over at uscfootball.com have pointed out, it's kind of the false positive.
5: Um, well, and it especially it could be a false positive this year because— I don't think KJ Costello is going to play in this game. Yeah, and, and if they might KJ's... not have
3: Walker Little, their, their best
5: lineman. Yeah, so if those guys aren't playing, then then you have to then add grains of salt to anything that you see from USC in that performance as well.
3: Uh, for sure. Uh, let's go to a voicemail we got from a Rotbot in the 661.
4: I just right, message for Alicia. Um, I don't really call the podcast at all, any USC podcast. But I have to say, this one right here was the best one I've ever heard and you summed it up for me. I mean, every detail, what you were saying about USC football, I mean, you just, man, I don't want you to stop, actually. <laughs> I want you to keep going because that's exactly how I feel about USC football. I actually wanted Fresno State to finish him as well. And, um, man, that was awesome. I just want to tell you a great job. And um, thank you very much for that. Thank you. Uh,
5: th- thank you. Uh, the response to the CarCast <laughs> has been... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm clearly not alone. Clearly not alone. A lot of people who are, are sending messages to, uh, to li- like that one from, uh, from the rockbot six, six, one, uh, just, I, I, you know, I try to be a voice for what fans are feeling. Uh, try not to go overboard. Sometimes I do, but Sometimes you just got to rant, and uh, yeah, it's it's, it's fun times.
3: I still yeah, we exist for the purpose of ranting. I mean, we literally
5: have a rant line. That's why we opened the rant line. But I got a message. I got a message from my brother, who's a Notre Dame actual Notre Dame Irish fighting Irish fan mm-hmm. not just Notre Dame so High he school.
3: supports he supports your alma mater because <laughs> he
5: went there or, or what <laughs> he supports uh oh, no, he went there too huh? he supports the sister school of my alma mater uh because he did go there too and uh he was like at least I'm listening to your carcast and I'm cracking up about the the good place and I'm just like every time somebody says that I'm just sending them the gif of of um of Kristen Bell going this is the bad place and it's just yeah it's been fun it's been very fun.
3: Yeah, and we're going to stick there for a second uh, longer with an email we got from Alan. Dear Alicia and Michael, thank you for your wonderful car cast early in the morning of September 1st. Alicia, your rant was the best. You were able to give a voice to everything I have felt regarding USC uh, for the last 30-plus games. Your reference to Groundhog Day was priceless. It's like yoga. the Yogi Berra saying, it's like deja vu all over again. Or maybe it's like the Tom Cruise movie, Edge of Tomorrow, where he gets killed multiple times. The big difference being that Tom Cruise's character keeps making progress, where USC seems incapable of adjusting and going forward. Sorry that you have to rewatch the game and report on it. It's like deja vu all over again. Am I looking forward to the next game? Not sure. Will I watch? Only because I have a couple of coworkers who are Stanford grads. Insert Homer Simpson head-slap gif with a dough. Fight on. Allen, class of nineteen
5: seventy-seven. Yeah, again, thank you. I'm I'm glad that uh, that I seem to to capture the emotion of the fan base in this case. Um, but I love that Edge of Tomorrow reference. Now, I have to say, I still haven't seen Edge of Tomorrow. It sounds like it's right up my wheelhouse, and I've heard so many good things about it. And I'm and I really do need to watch it. But I know the premise of it, and I think that's such a good uh, uh, analogy that. If you're going to... Are you going to enlighten us about this premise? Okay, so the premise... I think the premise... This is just... So he's, like, in some sort of, like, military... I don't know if it's, like, a simulation or something like that, but he he keeps running through the same day, and he keeps dying, but he keeps getting better and better. He, like, he keeps gaining skills so that the next time he dies, he's less likely to die. You know, sort of, like, redo. Kind of like Groundhog Day, where... Uh, Bill Murray becomes a better person as that movie goes on because he runs through so many different scenarios where he strikes out so many times. Kind of like a
3: video game, how you get where better. Where you learn, yeah. When you're doing time trials, you get better and better and better and better. You're like, oh, I
5: finally can make that turn right. Yes, exactly. So the more you practice, the more you get better. It's very simple, right? But USC, it's just like we've seen the same story over and over again and aren't learning from the mistakes. And what is that saying, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. Well, you know, in those cases, you can expect a different outcome if you're learning from what you're doing, but the lessons haven't seemed to be there. The one thing I'll say, though, in terms of like if I wanted to give USC some credit for clearly taking lessons or or fixing things, it's I don't think we spent enough time talking about the penalty situation for USC. Yes, the whole thing did start with a ridiculous, the most ridiculous special teams penalty Ever. But USC had four total penalties for 35 yards in this game. Not a single one of them was personal foul. That is improvement.
3: Yeah, I think the penalties were memorable. The long run that was negated and, 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 and it the was kickoff a, return. It, well, but the, outside of that, it wasn't the damaging personal foul.
5: Well, for instance, there was a long pass that was negated by an illegal hands-to-the-face. The hands-to-the-face thing... It's just gonna happen. Like that's you know that happens to to even great. Wait,
3: wasn't that a personal foul hand to the face?
5: Oh, is it a personal foul? Okay, so so not like a. It wasn't a behavioral thing. It was for just sure. a. You know, that's just a hand. You it, know. it wasn't a late hit. No, it wasn't that. Like that. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a disciplinary issue. It was just Elijah Vera Tucker. His hands came up a little high on the face mask. The the hold that calls back for Malapai's run, or uh, was it Stephen Carr's run? I think it was Vimelepeai. That whole Eric Cromenhook is hit with a hold. It's a pretty innocuous hold. Like it's it's the kind of thing that you know you see you see not get called all the time. Like it, I don't think it's the kind of thing where um, you're looking at it going like that is an egregious failure of concentration and and technique. Like no, it just sometimes you're gonna get hit like that when you're gonna when you're when you're going. So I think penalty wise, it wasn't there weren't red flags.
3: Oh, well, they're yellow. They're
5: yellow flags exactly. So.
3: Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, finish up this mailbag. All right, Alicia, let's go to a voicemail we got from Michael in Idaho.
4: Hey, guys. Sorry to keep bugging you. This is Michael in Idaho. Uh, listen to the XM analysis of the uh, USC situation. Their indications are, yeah, this is (laughs) losing your starting quarterback is not a good thing, which we all knew that. But anyway, reason I'm calling is I have a question. Do you think this situation is now going to get by Clay Helton more time? Or is, do you think the fan base is pretty well fed up and they want him gone regardless of the circumstances? It would seem to me that they'd have to uh, buy him more time just because he's got to start from square one with the freshman. And look at the schedule they've got, especially in September. That's it. we uh, going to fight on. It's going to be tough, but all we can do is hang in there. Catch you later. Bye-bye.
3: Thanks for the call, as always, Michael. This is an interesting situation because, yeah, I think in a, in a cyclone, sorry, wind tunnel, what are they called? Uh. Wind tunnel. Wind tunnel? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Um, you know, devoid of context. Sure, yeah. Uh, give Clay Helton more benefit of the doubt here, but this isn't that. We have a lot of context. This is Clay Helton already participating in a year in which this is make or break, and you know we we can say that going to a backup quarterback should give him. More leeway, but this is an offense that should limit the deficiencies of a quarterback. This is an offense that plays to the strengths of Keaton Slovis. This is an offense uh, that has a quarterback that is a true freshman. A true freshman because Clay Helton and Graham Harrell selected him to be a true freshman. It could have been Matt Fink. It could have been Jack Sears. They opted for Keaton Slovis. They kind of got to deal with with the effects of that, positive and negative, right? So. I don't necessarily think that this earns him more time. I don't think that changes anything for Clay, for Clay Helton, especially when this is week two. The whole season has come here. We don't know what's going to happen. It's very possible that this team could be just good with or without the quarterback or bad with or without the quarterback. It's It would have been different if SC was 8-0 and then JT Daniels goes down and they end up going 9-3. and Then you can sit there and say... Well, it's hard to hold that against Clay Helton because that's a wholly di- different situation. This situation isn't that.
5: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that, particularly that last part. And it's also a situation where, you know, the the quarterback will be a reflection of how well the team adjusts, uh, or how well the team has has bounced back. We we talk over and over and over again that, you know, if if the the teams. Elsewhere, who have succeeded with freshman quarterbacks do so because their team is good across the board. So it's one thing if Keaton Slovis is out there throwing twenty interceptions. At which point, I have to look at you and say, "Well, why do you why are you keeping him in the game?" Like you, like you hit at. You made the choice to make Keaton Slovis your second string quarterback. This isn't a situation where you've lost number one and you've lost number two, and you're down to number three, and he's the true freshman. No, you 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 now have a choice between the true freshman and a veteran quarterback who's less flashy but could probably get the job done in Matt Fink. I will not hear any words about Matt, Jack Sears right now. Uh, Matt Fink can go in there and get the job done as a veteran, and you can go in there and tro- hope that you can trust him to not to to just ba- run your offense at a basic level. Um, but you do have that choice. You 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 could go into it with that instead of the true freshman scenario. And you chose to take the risk with a true freshman scenario. So go ahead and prove it. Also, what the defense does this year will matter. Uh, what special yeah. teams does this year will matter. All of these things will will reflect on Clay Hilton. I, I don't think that this gets to be his excuse. I saw this on Twitter.
3: Oh, uh, I, I saw it on Twitter from UCLA people. From, and yeah. it was entirely
5: tongue-in-cheek. Uh, okay, so that makes sense. If if they're just like, they want Clay Hilton to stick around so so badly. But... I just, I'm, I'm done with the excuses. Like you said, Clay Helton already had his second chance. Uh, you don't get to build another one in just because of this.
3: Yeah, I saw someone say, uh, well, Keaton Slovis has four years of eligibility. You might as well give Clay Helton four more years uh, to deal with this. And at that point, it's pretty clear. It's sarcasm. Uh, let's go to an email we got from John and Azusa. Hi, Michael. I, see I just read the news about JT Daniels and couldn't help but wonder this thought. Do you think JT should transfer? He has taken undeserved blame for last year's offensive struggles and now has suffered a horrible injury, which is a result of a combination of bad luck and a decline in offensive line play. It's hard to believe that this team or coaching staff can muster up a winning season after showing us another game filled with a lack of discipline and focus. Is it time for JT to jump ship for the sake of his future? Thanks and keep up the good work. As always, fight on, John and Azusa. I think it's too early to say that. Uh, 100% it's too early for that. Next year, I you know we talk about quarterback battles and how it affects quarterbacks and quarterbacks end up transferring. Next year is going to be interesting, right? Because JT comes back uh, as a redshirt sophomore at that point. You're going to have Keaton Slovis presumably as a true sophomore, uh, depending on if he holds down the fort the rest of the way. You have him with the year of starting experience. You have J.T. Daniels with the year of his starting experience, and then you have Bryce Young, who, if you look on Twitter, if you look, read message boards or any of that, a lot of people feel like might be the ultimate, you know, coup for USC. Might be the ultimate future. So those three guys in a competition, plus Matt Fink, if he's still around, um, it's going to be an interesting competition, and to see how it all pans out if if JT doesn't win that job certainly he'd be a candidate to transfer at that point same thing with potentially Keaton Slovis or anybody you don't know it's way too far in advance but that's when I think that you can start the should JT Dan- Daniels transfer question I think right now it, it's just too fresh his, his focus needs to be getting healthy first and foremost and whether he's getting healthy at USC or getting healthy at you know Santa Ana College it's the same thing you might as well just get healthy at USC. Like I don't see the point here.
5: I officially hate the transfer portal and all of the conversations that it that it that it arises. We should not be having discussions about the transfer portal right now. J T Daniels has a long rehab in front of him, and when he comes back, he's going to be in a comp- quarterback competition, and that's when we can talk about the transfer portal. It has nothing to do with his injury. And and for the record, I mean, I I, I get what John and Azusa is saying here. Like I get why he's looking at it that way. But also, this is not an offensive line injury. JT Daniels holds just as much blame for getting injured in this scenario as Brett Nealon or Austin Jackson or Vavai Malapai or any one of the blockers who were out there. There were seven guys rushed. There were six blockers. JT needed to get rid of the ball. Brett Neilan needed to identify the pass rush better. Uh, all of USC's blockers needed to hold their blocks better. A thousand different things could have happened to prevent that. To prevent that play, but JT getting a, a an ACL injury is not is not a USC is bad and therefore JT got a, a, an ACL injury. No, it's football happens and sometimes you get hit and sometimes you get hit with your foot planted in just the right direction and it tweaks and your knee goes goes out. He could have gotten hit there and had nothing the worse for wear. KJ Costello gets uh, gets you know a forearm a shiver to the head, just a forearm shiver to the head and gets a gets a concussion. This is this this is the game, you know. Like th- th- that's not a reason to transfer. The reason to transfer is when you get down to the competition. What is it? What does it all look like? But like right next year, you don't you year away. You don't wake months. you don't wake up on Monday morning and go like I'm going to transfer out of USC and forfeit my right to that competition because sack like no that's not how it works
3: agreed uh let's go to a voicemail we got from kevin
1: rain of troy radio this is kevin from hollywood this is my first time calling in i am a long time listener but a first time caller i have just finished watching the football game and oh boy and boy and boy and boy do i have thoughts particularly about clay helton's ability to talk about them not taking a kneel down from under center because of the practices i would like to point out one similarity to something like this there was once upon a time a super bowl in which an esteemed head coach by the name of pete carroll was coach of the seattle seahawks and they had a wonderful opportunity to score a touchdown at the end of the super bowl to beat the patriots however a nice corner on the Patriots by the name of Malcolm Brown, decided to jump a route, intercept a pass, and end the game for the Patriots. And the reason he was able to do that was because, as he said, quote-unquote, we practiced that play before the game because we knew that the Seahawks would run a slant when they got to the goal line, and he recognized it, and he was able to jump the route and seal the game for them thus winning the Super Bowl. Now, wouldn't it be amazing if USC, also once upon a time coached by a man like Pete Carroll, decided to, you know, practice the game situation that could come up? It would be an incredible situation, and if only we had a coach like that. Uh, After watching multiple mistakes be repeated over and over, I've decided that I no longer want Clay Helton as our coach. I don't know what to do about this. I don't know how to persevere, but as a USC alum, I have no choice but to fight on. I hope you guys do as well, and let's persevere through the rest of the season. Keep doing the good work that you guys do. Can't wait to hear your thoughts, and uh I guess we'll see how this plays out, right? Anyway, take it easy. Fight on to you guys.
3: Thanks for the call, Kevin. Welcome to being a Rotbot caller. Great first call. Uh, Alicia, what, what say you about the practice situation with with the kneel downs?
5: Um, I don't, I don't know. I This isn't a Clay Helton thing. This is a air raid thing. So that's just, at least based on what I can tell, this is just the system that Graham Harrell has brought in. And one of the things that they do is every snap is out of shotgun. And so they're not going to change that for a kneel down situation. I I can't I, I can't rise to the level of, of of anger over it, though. Like, I think there are a lot of other things that I want to see USC practice than snapping under center. Um, I do think that you should be able to – that should be a skill that you shouldn't really have to practice all that much, the whole snapping from under center thing. But I don't know. Keaton Slovis ran an air raid in high school, so maybe he wouldn't be able to do that naturally. I, I don't know. It's just – I think that that's – I don't know.
3: I'm of the idea of if every snap is going to be, you know, out of shotgun, it makes sense that you'd want to keep the repetition there. At the same point, I completely get that you're more prone to an errant snap out of the shotgun than you would be under center. So you might as well at least know how to take a snap under center um, in the, the case that you need to do a victory formation. Or maybe you need to get a quarterback sneak. I don't think that SC needs to have all these under center plays in general, but I think you should be able to sneak and I think you should be able to kneel down. I don't think that's an insane ask. Is it super high on the priority of things that I think SC should be practicing? No, not really. I think, I think Kevin's call can apply to so many different issues. It all goes to the general idea. Are you seeing in games what you're seeing in practice? Are you prepared for games like you are in practice you're prepared and practice like you are in games, right? You want to be able to do both of these things. You want to be able to translate these things. You want to be able to be prepared. And USC is not shown enough for people to be reliably confident in those things. And so what Kevin is saying is 100% the case here. I just don't know if the whole, you know, t- kneel downs is the top priority there. But it certainly could be a priority, 100%.
5: Well, I would just rather have each individual player executing to the max of their abilities, and I don't know. Maybe I just don't think it's asking that much to have a center and a quarterback be able to snap a ball in a critical situation. Just like I don't think it's asking too much to have a point guard make a a, a free throw in a late-game situation under pressure. You've got to be able to execute that skill, so... Execute the skill when it matters, and you won't have to have these conversations.
3: That's that's totally fair enough, too. Uh, let's go to a voicemail we got from Derek in Fort Worth.
4: Rain of Troy. This is Derek from Fort Worth. One thing to say, that was the car cast of the year. She summed up the season in one car cast.
1: Alicia, I am very concerned. So many things we wanted to fix, we did not see them. Now is deja vu. We have a freshman quarterback for the rest of the season. I'm trying not to panic, but I'm panicking.
3: Thanks for the call as always, Derek. I like to say death, taxes, and blank a lot. Mm -hmm. Death, taxes, and Derek panicking on a random Troy rant line. (laughs) It is a yearly occurrence, and I love it. And I love you so much for it, Derek. Because It's always beautiful. And, yeah, there's plenty of reasons to feel that way, 100%. Uh, when they haven't shown the ability to prove that things are different. SC needs to prove things are different. If you say they're going to be different, okay. If they're, if they're going to be different in practice, cool. Try, again, like going back to the whole practice thing, prepare for games and actually translate those things into games 100%. Uh, and then you don't have to panic.
5: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) Derek listened to the car cast. Obviously, he knows my feelings on these. Um, USC had a a test on Saturday, and I don't think they passed that test. And that test is about convincing us, rebuilding benefit of the doubt, rebuilding trust. And USC might have passed the test to win on Saturday. That was positive. But they certainly didn't rebuild trust. They certainly didn't rebuild benefit of the doubt. So onward to next week
3: yep indeed Uh, let's go to a voicemail we got from Grumpy Oso
4: hi guys this is the first time caller Grumpy Oso I just wanted to say that uh, I really um, liked the team's effort last night Uh, it's kind of hard when you lose your starting quarterback in the end of the second quarter and you still win a game Uh, Sloan's made first minute mistakes but overall he looked good just give him some time and the defense looked good. I mean, we knew their secondary was our weakest point for right now until they grow up and get better. And they will. I see a lot of potential in that. And uh, I just uh, don't see why all the negativity. Uh, if you guys are loyalists or a faithful fan, you keep the faith. This is one game, one game only, alright? Look at Sanford, their quarterback has lost, uh, for next week also, alright, with a hand injury most likely. So now it becomes a battle of the backups. Let's see who, uh, who teaches who best. Keep faithful and I think we'll be alright, alright? And stop being so negative, alright, with the tweets. All right, bye bye.
5: Uh thank Grumpy thanks Grumpy Oso. There's something ironic about Grumpy Oso telling us not to be so negative. Not to be so grumpy. Uh yeah. Um listen, I get it. I am at a I'm an optimist at heart and I understand uh the 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 perspective of, you know, it's just one game and keep the faith and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's different when you say that when, you know, I remember saying those kinds of things in 2008 when USC lost to Oregon State or 2006 when USC lost to Oregon State or, or you know, any one of those years. 2010 when USC well, lost to Oregon State. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of keeping the faith thing, but faith has to come from sort of somewhere else, too. And when it comes to sports, I think that the sports teams that you follow, you don't owe them your blind faith. Um you know, they say that, like, faith is blind when it comes to, like, religious faith, and there's and there's value to that. But sports faith doesn't have to be blind. It doesn't have to be based only in they wear cardinal and gold and therefore they are great. That's not how it works. Um, the people that are in charge have to instill faith in you and in their players and, the, and and vice versa. And if they're not doing the things that they need to do to instill faith, then – I don't see a problem with calling them out on that. And I I don't think this is just one game. I think this is, as I've said many times on the cast, this is 30 games. And I was willing to extend that faith after four games, after five games, after six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. We are well beyond the point of saying it's just one game. Um, They need to win us back over, I think. They need to win fans back over. And I don't think they – as I said, I don't think they accomplished that on Saturday. And as we started out this whole thing, I do think there is a limit to the negativity. I, I think that there's a lot of people talking negative about the offensive line, when I don't think that's warranted. I think there's a lot of people talking negative about uh, the DBs, and I don't think that's necessarily warranted. I think there's a lot of um, negative negativity to go around. But, um, you know, I think everyone just has to sort of say what what they see and – what I see is some positive, but also some negative, and that's the fact of the matter.
3: I, I don't know. I, hmm, how do I put this? I don't understand the idea of being positive or negative. Right. Yeah. Because I like you know the glass glass half, half half full, full or, or
5: half empty. Half,
3: no, it's half a glass to me. Yeah. Like I've never said. Can you give me a half full glass of No, can you give me half a glass of water, right? Like, I know yeah. that's a stupid, pedantic thing. I, I but, always
5: used to do a snarky reply where the glass is totally full. It's one half water, one half air.
3: Sure, there you go. I mean. Technically true. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, but I just go back to the idea of, like, I, I, I'm not being negative. I'm not being positive. I'm being honest with what I think or what I feel. Exactly. Some of those things might be on the positive or negative side of the scale, but I am not coming at anything with I am going to be negative or I'm being negative or we we don't have
5: an agenda. No,
3: no, there's no there's no agenda here, but like more so I I when I hear people say uh oh this person's being positive or this person's being Negative to me, it comes off as phony, and if you're being negative about something, it's something that is created right. Like, oh, I I don't like hanging out with this person because there's just too much negativity around that person, and to me, that's that's a vibe that comes from that person.
5: Well, isn't it a perspective? It's it's, sure, it's, it's not you aren't you are not negative, your perspective is negative,
3: sure, but but I don't think that that person is I, I don't know how to i don't know how to explain what i what i'm saying no here. i get what, i
5: get what you're saying though like
3: like i when i hear negativity and positivity to me it's it's forced whereas i think the words that we should be using are things like giving credit to or praising or criticizing because that's what we're doing we are critical of things that don't go well we are giving credit th- to things that do do go well. I wouldn't say that we're being positive about things or being negative about. No, we're, we're praising and criticizing because that's what our role here is. And, yeah. you know, you talk about the blind faith thing. I think that's how we should be in life in general, right? Like, I don't have a blind loyalty to anything outside of maybe my parents, right? Like... Your family, your family, you have unconditional love for, right? Yeah. But like your your politicians, you should be critical of your politicians. You should be critical of your of your sports teams. You should be critical of your anybody
5: else in your life. And that's I think it's good that you bring up the unconditional love thing, because that's kind of what being a fan should be about. Right. You should have love for the team that, that you follow, right? And there should be an unconditional element to it in the sense of you do have loyalty and you do stick out even when things are bad. But having unconditional love doesn't mean sitting by and not saying things when the people around you are doing wrong things. Like
3: It, it like, means that you're going to be there tomorrow.
5: I have unconditional love for my family, but if my if one of my brothers did something that was not right, it's not unconditional love to sit back and and... Uh, not call them out on it. You have to be able to call out even the people that you love. Right. In fact, that's how you show your love by caring enough about them to be constructive with your criticism. To 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 put yourself out on the out on a limb. That's one of my favorite things about my family. This is what I say to people all the time: the the my family will fight and we will yell and we will you know argue about things. But that it's great to have the comfort level with somebody to be able to argue with them. I don't know about you. I mean, this is this is me because I'm an on, I'm a non argumentative person. Um, but when I argue with somebody in person, like when I argue with you, it's because I feel so comfortable with you that I trust that you that you know that I'm coming at it in good faith, and you and I can put it put it aside and continue on being friends, right? Where like, I mean, sort of, sort of. I mean, you know. But uh, the 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 point of it is is that like. You should be able to criticize your friends. You should be able to criticize your sports teams. You should be able to criticize your family when they warrant it. Um, You don't want to go overboard with that. You don't want to be. uh, You don't want to be. I guess um, negative to the point where you're no longer constructive. But
3: to me, that's where the negative thing comes. Yeah. Negative to me is is a feeling. Yeah. is, Is a. I I wish I had a better word of there is a better word there are, out there I just the, yeah. can't come up
5: with it yeah I I I'm having struggle with the I'm struggling with the words here too but yeah. and we can't even blame it on like oh it's, it's one o'clock like no it's actually the afternoon so it's it's
3: it is it's weird maybe to, we are to just inarticulate to, to be doing a podcast when it's daylight
5: yeah yeah uh
3: well yeah my like my fangs aren't even out the whole bit <laughs> but anyways uh, that's gonna wrap up the fallout episode. Uh, it's been a biggie. Thanks for listening, as always. Thanks for giving us our calls uh, and calling into the Rant Line. It was cool to see the Rant Line calls for the first time this year. Uh, as always, save those numbers into your phone, 213-373-1USC, Suck at What's Burn Show, and the email address, com. Uh, shoot us your thoughts uh, as we get towards USC and Stanford, and then... After that game, shoot us your thoughts about that game. Uh, We'll be back with a game preview on Thursday morning to talk about the Trojans and the Cardinal on Saturday night at the Coliseum. Uh, And then there'll be a car cast. Uh, And then over on Patreon, we're going to have a pregame Q&A on Friday morning, along with uh, so much more, including Alicia's daily coverage of practice on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, along with an Inside the Scrum in there as well. So uh, you can get that at patreon.com slash Troy, where you can subscribe and get all of our bonus content for five fifty-five a month and uh, help us do things like um, put together a studio where we have little buttons where we can press things like uh, this.
5: Pessimistic Alicia is out in full force.
3: Yeah. Negative Alicia just... Completely yes, indeed. out in full force during that car cast.
5: Yes, indeed. And don't let it go all
3: to your head to, to everyone <laughs> giving you all that praise.
5: Yeah, I promise you guys I'm not going to turn into like Skip Bayless or something like that and like lean into the negativity. It's not my style.
3: I don't know. You could be like, whoa, look at the ratings. The ratings are going up when <laughs> I I'm know. bad.
5: I know, right?
3: Alright, <laughs> uh All right. Uh, we will see you guys later. At least you can give us the final word.
5: The final word is glass as in the glass doesn't exist or the glass may randomly develop a hole in its side
3: yeah that's (laughs) another story for a different day (laughs) Uh, inside baseball i will see you later see ya see ya